Um, be seated, yeah. Um, it's always such a privilege when Pastor Matt allows um, one of us as uh, associate staff to preach in his absence. And it's also so great to have a pastor who prioritizes his family. Um, he is with his family right now. One of their kids is making some decisions about their future. All good stuff. And, um, and, and Matt and Melissa are with, with them right now and just um, helping them through that decision. And um, so that's really exciting that he's prioritizing his family. And so when he prioritizes his family, that's an example to Cameron, Dan, and myself and others to prioritize our families. And we thank you for being a church that allows us as a staff to be able to do that. That means a lot. Um, it makes us better fathers and husbands, and quite frankly, it makes us better staff members and, and pastors to be allowed to do that. So thank you for allowing Matt to be absent today, to be with his family, and thank you for allowing us when we need to take care of our family to, um, to do that. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a break from the Revelation study that Matt has been doing. Man, those sermons have been awesome, and um, I'm so thankful for how he is leading us through that text and um, so come back and, and get ready to hear more of that next week. But we're going to take a little bit of a break this week. And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to be asking ourselves, will I bow? That's the name of the sermon today, will I bow? And um, we're going to be studying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you have been in church for any length of time in Sunday school, um, you will, you'll know this familiar passage. Um, if you haven't been in church, that's okay. We're going to catch you up today if you need catching up on what this story is all about. But um, it's a very familiar passage. But I think there's four lessons that we can learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to be looking at those today. But to give you a little bit of um, background on where we are, where we're going to pick up in the text today, um, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon. Babylon had captured um, Judah, Israel, Jerusalem, God's people, the Jews. He had captured them and um, brought them into the kingdom of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar had built a statue for himself. He was a pagan king, and, and he worshipped statues and all types of things, and he created a statue for himself, and he had set it up and um, had decided that when all these different types of musical instruments play, that everybody in the kingdom would have to bow down and worship to this statue. Well, there are some people in the kingdom who, who decided they were not going to bow to a false god, to a false idol, and that's kind of where we pick up in the story. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to go through verse 25 right now. We'll look at some other passages um, in just a moment. Let's real quick. <laughs> um, and so Daniel chapter 3, verse 8, it says, some Chaldeans, and Chaldeans is the same as the people of Babylon. That's what that means when you read that. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we'll get into the background of why they were chosen to manage this province, okay, in just a moment. And these were Jewish men. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. 
Then, in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I've made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. It's an important verse. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed the men that, who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men not tied up, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this story that can bring us courage, instruction, and correction in our own lives, God. God, I pray right now as I'm speaking, God, that you would not be speaking, but your Holy Spirit would be speaking to the lives of people in this room, just as you have been doing to me all this week as I've been studying your word and preparing for this. God, I pray that you would do a work as only you can do in this place through the reading and the teaching of your word through your Holy Spirit, God. Sharpen us, strengthen us, Make us more like you as we study your word. This is your time. Do as you wish, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at four lessons from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first lesson that we see doesn't even come from this this specific passage. It comes from a couple chapters before in Daniel chapter 1. And it is small compromise in devotion to God will lead to greater compromise. Small compromise and devotion to God will lead to greater compromise. So, like I said earlier, Judah um, had been taken captive by um, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Um, In verse 2 of chapter 1, it tells us that um, the Lord handed Judah over to Nebuchadnezzar. It was God's plan for that to happen in that moment so that we could learn some things and God could do some work that only he could do. Um, The king, Nebuchadnezzar, ordered, once the captivity had happened, that his men in the kingdom of Babylon 
find some young, some handsome, some strong um, Israelite young men to come and, and serve him in his kingdom. And so he, King Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to, um, to coerce and manipulate these Israelite um, men to adopt this Chaldean way. Um, he even changed their Hebrew names from Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which all these names represented the most high God that we worship today, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all names that represent the Chaldean pagan way um, that they were worshiping. Um, and, and so even Daniel was among these men, and he was helping lead them to not compromise in a small way. So let's read Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 16 to see how they did not compromise in, in just what was seemingly a small way. So Daniel determined that he would not defile himself to the king's, with the king's food or with wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your face is looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them the vegetables. Because they did not compromise in what could have been a small way. This food that the king was giving him was, was food that was sacrificed to idols and it would defile them with the, um, with the law that they knew that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel knew it was going to defile them. But that seems like a minor detail, right? That... that so what? It's just food. It's given us energy to do the work that we're supposed to do. Well, they stood in, in the face of what they were told to do and didn't compromise in a small way. And even in that, God blessed them and they were favored by King Nebuchadnezzar and gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, uh, the management responsibility of that region of Babylon. Um, and Daniel also had favor with the king because they did not compromise in just a small way. Church, we often face opportunities like these guys. Um, our circumstances are very different. We haven't been taken captive by a, a different kingdom or anything like that. But often, in order to appease, to fit in, or even to stand out in certain situations, we allow compromise that goes against what we know is right and God-honoring to take place in our lives. Often these small compromises, they will lead to bigger and greater compromises. Um, do you think like the business person 
who gets in trouble for embezzlement, let's say, um, sets out to say, hey, I'm going to go be known as an embezzler, and I'm going to get in this much trouble. Probably not. He probably starts with small compromises of cheating and a little bit of stealing here and there that leads him into that situation. Or maybe it's the, the, the husband that decides to leave his family for something better. Um, he probably didn't, when he got married, didn't start off his marriage thinking that he was going to just leave his family for something better eventually. He probably let small compromises in his life lead to that situation of destruction of a family. Or the person who is, um, is addicted to a substance or something, that person probably didn't plan for that situation to happen, for him to get into a situation of destruction of his life and, and the people around him. But he allowed small compromises to get him to that place of destruction in his life. Church, we can get into that same situation. But we see an example with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel that they did not compromise in this seemingly small thing. And the fruit of this is a lesson to each of us, for each of us to learn. The next lesson that we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that small compromise leads to isolation. Faith in community leads to steadfastness. I want to say that again. Small compromise leads to isolation. Faith in community leads to steadfastness. Some more examples. Have you ever been in a season where you've had these places or things in your life, in your faith life, that you've been willing to compromise? We've all been there. Maybe it's something in your workplace or at school um, where the culture is one of sneakiness or cutting corners or even cheating. Maybe it's something personal where you've allowed things that are visually inappropriate into your life to come in and corrupt your mind. You're like, oh, this one time won't hurt. Or this one time, it's not that big a deal. It's not hurting anybody around me. Maybe... It's you're involved in a friend group that's willing to compromise things morally for the sake of a good time. Maybe it's that you have issues controlling your tongue, where you're loose with your lips, you, you, you gossip, you talk about people, and, and you just let things slip out of your mouth all the time. That's not the end of the examples that we could give, but you know the things that I'm talking about in your life, and maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now of something that you've allowed compromise in your life. But with this, when we do these things, we tend to drift away from the community of believers in our life that are willing to call you out for your sinfulness maybe restore you from that sinfulness and help strengthen you and walk alongside you in your struggles. We isolate ourselves because this compromise has maybe led us to a place of embarrassment, indifference, or even enslavement to something. 
Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. When we walk in isolation from our brothers and sisters in Christ, our pride becomes our own wisdom. And that wisdom, our personal wisdom, apart from God, leads to sinfulness and death, right? Your life becomes about your own wants and desires that ultimately lead towards sin. I call this the idol worship of self. We start bowing. Will we bow? We start bowing to ourselves because we give in to whatever we want or whatever feels good. The example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one of pursuing righteousness in community. They stood against the king's command to bow to this statue and worship the one true living God, in part because they stood together in unity. They were committed to God together. If you look back at Daniel 3, verses 13 through 18, you'll remember they did not separately make the stand against King Nebuchadnezzar, saying that they would not bow to that statue. They set it together in unison. They did it together, and they stood in their response together and did not bow to that statue. Church, the same is true for us here at Briarwood. When we walk in community with each other, seeking God and his word together and praying together and fellowshipping together and doing life together, we are strengthened to face the temptation of compromise in our lives. When we walk this road of faith together in community, um, we, we, we are stronger and we can do this more effectively than we could as little islands trying to do it separately. At Briarwood, we pursue community together in a thing that we call life groups. And many of us are a part of those life groups. And there's other small groups of people that meet together and friendships that are formed that are safe places to share your struggles and to study God's word together and to be strengthened together. These are all appropriate places to do life in community together. If you find yourself drifting from community in the church, and you might show up at church on a Sunday morning because that's what you do, but you don't really see yourself in community, it's time to come into community and to do life with other believers we see that example with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and a million other places in Scripture. We need to be doing that today in 2023 at Briarwood Baptist Church. The third lesson that we see from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that there will be consequences of a steadfast faith. There will be consequences of a steadfast faith. Church, we're not guaranteed an easy life because we are steadfast in our faith following God. In the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the consequence for anyone who would not bow to that statue and worship Nebuchadnezzar's gods was the fiery furnace. Jesus even promises persecution for the follower of Christ with a steadfast faith. We can see that in John 
chapter 15, verses 19 and 20. It says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. There's no promise in Scripture that following God will ever be the easy choice. Every day all over this world, Christ's followers are beaten, they're arrested, they're abused, they're fired from jobs, they are overly taxed, they are separated from their families, and they are killed because they make the choice to not compromise in their faith. All over the world that's happening. But even with that, even in the midst of that, the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus is being proclaimed, the church is growing, and even in some cases, the ones who are persecuting these followers of Christians, of, of Jesus, who are not um, bowing to their idols, are even coming to know Jesus. They're coming to faith in Christ. And with that, we know that God's not going to abandon us in the consequences of our faith. We know that. When we remain steadfast in our faith, even with the looming consequences of persecution and trials, Christ is exalted, he's glorified, proclaimed, and proclaimed to a world that tries to squish him out. Remember in Daniel um, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, I said, this is an important verse. Verse 18 says, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. These guys were, were confident that God could rescue them, and, and he could, and he, he was, yeah, we knew that he could. But even if he wasn't going to rescue them, they were willing to stand in opposition to the king's command and continue to follow and, and obey the one true God. What incredible um, faith and steadfastness that they had. We must remember their example when we face the opportunities for compromise in our lives. Kings, the King Nebuchadnezzar raged so hard against um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he had the, the furnace heated seven times higher than it typically was, so much that it killed the men who bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up and threw them in the fire. It, it, it killed them immediately as they approached that fire. That's crazy. But God didn't abandon these guys, did he? God did not abandon these guys. And the same is true for us. The fourth lesson that we have from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is God will not abandon you as you face the consequences of a steadfast faith. God will not abandon you as you face the consequences of a steadfast faith. Let's read the last part of Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 through 30. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty. There they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men 
not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace, a blazing fire, and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, perfects, and governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on them. The bodies of these men, not a hair of, on the bodies of these men, not a hair of their heads was singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued him, his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve God, serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I issue a decree that any of that anyone of any people, any nation or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb, and his house will be made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So obviously, God did not abandon Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he rescued them from the fire. Most Bible scholars believe that that fourth man in the fire was maybe an angel, but probably more realistically, it was the reincarnate appearance of God the Son. God was right there with them in the midst of the fire. Church family, your decision to be steadfast in your faith may end up putting you in the fire, whatever that fire might look like. And you may even get burned with the fire. But I know one thing is true, is that God is not going to abandon you in that fire. He's not going to leave you alone. The same God that walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be right there with you. I bet in a room like this right now, there's some of us who have walked through that fire. And you can say, God walked with me through that fire. I know that God was with me. And it wasn't necessarily easy, but God was walking there alongside me in that fire. And you remain steadfast in this. And if you haven't experienced that yet and you're a Christ follower and you're pursuing him with a steadfast faith, you better believe you're probably going to go through that as well. It's a promise from Scripture. But God's calling you to a steadfast faith and a total dependence on the Most High God who can, he has the ability to rescue from the fire, but he has the ability to also walk with you through the fire. We've got to be ready to live a steadfast faith And when we face the consequences of it, we know that he's with us. So what do we do with all this today? What do we do with all this? In your note sheet on the bulletin, you're going to see some questions at the bottom of the page that's going to help us respond to what we've talked about today. I believe that today there's some of us in this room that need to to repent. There are probably places of compromise in our lives that we need to confess to God and maybe to other people. I thought about it this week as I've studied the word and contemplated and it's preached to me. I've had to, you got to make some adjustments. So the question is, are you bowing to the golden statues of this culture? Are you bowing to that? Or maybe are there places of small or large compromise that you need to confess and repent of to God and to others? Think about that in your life. 
Next thing is some of us need to embrace Christian community so that you're not isolated in this faith, faith life. First question is, have you isolated yourself from Christian community? Then you ask yourself, what is causing you to isolate yourself from others, from other followers of Jesus? Maybe you're called to be a part of this body of Christ and you need to engage in a life group or some other small group of Jesus followers that can strengthen you and walk with you and, and restore you and encourage you in your faith. Then I believe there's probably some other people in a room with this many people. There's probably somebody in here, whether you've been in church for 50 years or this is your first day in church, that needs to give their life to Jesus. Jesus came to take your sin, to take on your sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Jesus took on that death price, and we're about to celebrate Easter, and he died on the cross so that we could have resurrection life in him because he is raised to life. And that might sound all churchy and stuff like that, but I believe that God can call somebody in this room today if we remove our pride and say yes to God. I want to follow you. I want to be your follower. And I want to have a steadfast faith. And I want to join a community of believers and walk this life. The band's about to come up here and we're going to pray. But I just want to say one thing. This, this altar, this, these steps are going to be open. And there's nothing magical about these steps. But one thing I know is true is that when we encourage people to come and respond, whether it's come talk to a pastor or respond at the steps and do business with God, um, we're not going to air anybody's dirty laundry, but it encourages others in this place to do their business with God. And it also is a first step to walking in community and doing this faith life in community. And like I said, we're not going to air anybody's dirty laundry. That would be inappropriate. But it is appropriate to deal with God and to do what he tells you to do in a public manner so that the community of faith can come around and do business with you and to live this life and to encourage you in this life. I'm going to pray. The steps are going to be open. Cameron's going to come up and he's going to be here to receive people. I'm going to be here to receive people. And um, we ask that you respond. So Jesus, we come to you right now thanking you for this word, thanking you for your truth, Lord. God, I pray that your people here at Briarwood Baptist Church in this room right now would be willing to respond to whatever you're calling them to and to do business with you right now, Lord. Um, I know that there's people who, who think of their, their um, faith life as one of very personal, but you call us to be a public people and have a public faith. And you're calling us to respond to you and your word today. Thank you for what you're going to do in these next few moments. Um, Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.